on 2NURFM. It's a quarter past 12 and Thursday finance. And Barry Preston, much going on in the commodities line. I noticed you've dropped the value of the Australian dollar while I've been away against the rest (laughs) of the world. Well, yes and no. The dollar coming down, of course, makes our commodities look a little bit better for uh, prospective uh, buyers overseas, which is good for our exports, which is good for the country. So the only thing is, of course, if people are travelling overseas, it's a little more expensive. Then probably we should stay at home and spend our money here. What do you think? Oh, that sounds like a good solution. (laughs) Let's have a look at our commodities. Gold, uh, with all the ups and downs and uh, talk, etc., is only down $10 Australian to $1,380 per ounce. Silver, very little change there, $19.66 versus $19.72 per ounce last week. Um, copper is down 125 uh, Australian per tonne, or 1.62 to 7,567. And a big mover was nickel, $5. That's all. It changed. $5. That was the smallest mover of the lot. I'm... It's fairly expensive, mm. though, isn't well, it? It is, yes, very much so. Tin, 22,740. That was a 2% mover. Uh, down, unfortunately. But tin, I was reading on the London Commodities Exchange that tin is becoming very scarce. Uh, it's, uh, when they mine tin, it's very, very limited. It's not in big abundances like iron or anything like that. It's very, very low in, uh, in the actual uh, tonne that they dig up, etc. And it's, a lot of it's sometimes a fair way down, so it's expensive. And tin is being sought after for a lot of electronics because solder is being uh, eased out. Anyway... Tin, interesting metal. We've talked about that for quite some time. And by the way, it doesn't rust tin. It's not the one that you get your fruit uh, in, SPC or that sort of stuff. Okay, let's have a look at the Australian dollar. Yes, we have been falling, but we strengthened a little bit. We're up uh, 1.1% to $88, sorry, 88.42 cents to the American dollar. Last week it was 87.45. That was our biggest mover. British uh, pence, very little change there, 0.7 of one pence to to 54.7. British pence to the Australian dollar. Chinese yuan renminbi, 5.42, very little change to last week. The New Zealand, not much of a change there. Last week it was 111.23 to the Australian dollar. It's 111.9 this week. The euro, 69.4 last week, 69.3, very little change there. The Canadian dollar, the same, very little change. But we strengthened to uh, the currencies previous to last week. We were down a fair bit, but we strengthened a little bit, not much. Heading to uh, Norway, you would probably get 5.69 Norwegian kroner to your Australian dollar. The markets, they've been all over the place. Um, Ours is down for the close yesterday, 93 points or 1.74% to 5,241. Yet it's reversed that a bit today. It's back up about 50 points when I looked. So we'll just see what happens there. And the Dow's been all over the place, up 200 odd, down 200, up another 200 to 16,994. In actual fact, it's 190 points ahead for the week or 1.1%. The NASDAQ, very little change, 46 points ahead to 14. 4,468. The UK FTSE down 75 points to 4,000, sorry, 6,482. The Japanese Nikkei, having some tongue twisting trouble here today. The Japanese Japanese Nikkei down 487 points to 15,590. 
five, the Hang Seng. There's been a lot of trouble over there in Hong Kong and uh, seems to be settling down a little bit, which pushed their index up 331 points to 23,263. And one of our favourite subjects, of course, is the oil. Well, the West Texas Intermediate is $98.68 Australian per barrel, which is equivalent to 87.31 US. (coughs) Pardon me. And the Australian oil from Singapore, Tapas, is 106.41. Now, the US oil is down $5.03 Australian over the week, and the Australian oil is down $4.91. But I just noticed that the Bowser hasn't moved that much uh, where it should be if it's based on price, and it certainly can't be based on transport because we've proven that. Now, our oil, in, or our unleaded in Newcastle, is 148.5, down 0.01 of a cent. And the Central Coast, we're cheaper, again, 149.7. They're down 1.2, but we're still cheaper than them. Where once upon a time, we were more expensive than them. And our diesel, 154.2, we're down 0.1 of a cent. And the Central Coast is 154.2, also very little change to that one. Sydney, 138.1, that's down 1.4 cents a litre, and their diesel is down 0.4 of a cent to 150.1. And, of course, looking in the Grafton, this proves that the transport's not a, a cha- not a challenge. It's 146.5. Armadale, poor old Armadale, still one of the highest. It's 160.9, and if you're heading down to Tumut, you better fill up before you get there because it's 163.9, mm. which is a big difference. That's nearly 15 cents a difference. Liter, uh, per litre than what we are here. Interesting. I would suggest that we should see the oil or our unleaded uh, or our petrol prices keep coming down, but I don't know how long this oil price uh, will stay low. There's talk that the Yanks are pushing it down and uh, there's, uh, they're throwing things, not throwing things, but they want to push it down to hurt the Russians. So, yep. Thursday finance and uh, Barry Preston, gold. We often think when times are a little bit uncertain uh, with things like share markets or currency values, we think, well, gold's the way to go. It's a safe haven. Is that the case these days? Well, I think a lot of it's uh, also we've had a lot of bullish equity markets and gold does not pay any dividends whatsoever. And people throughout the world have been chasing return interest or uh, dividends. Uh, They're not really that interested in gold. Also, Do you get uh, dividends with gold? No, you don't get anything with gold. The only time you get dividends with or from gold is when you buy shares in a company that mines gold and pays dividend. And there are not too many of those around at the moment. There's been a little bit of a problem with uh, one of our biggest uh, gold producers, uh, Newcrest, and uh, it's battling ahead at the moment, but... Uh, I think it will come good. I do, honestly. It's, uh, it's got a lot of gold in the ground. It's getting it out, the cost of gold, and uh, then selling it into the market. Uh, then that margin is where they get their profit after they take all their expenses out. So interesting. So we, we shouldn't look at throwing away all our gold jewellery, for example. Probably not at gold. this stage. Not at this stage. And, of course, we're looking at a stronger US dollar, and gold and the US dollar have an inverse uh, effect, apparently. When the, gold, when the US dollar gets stronger, gold seems to go down. And uh, I know we looked back at it many, many years ago and we said that uh, you know, there's a bit of unrest in the world and everyone headed towards gold as a safe hedge against inflation. But guess what? There doesn't seem to be any inflation at the moment. As a matter of fact, there seems to be more concern about things being deflated.
prices of things. Uh, that may look a bit. Uh, that statement may look a little bit crazy when we talk about the house prices in Australia. But uh, a lot of the places uh, in the Europe, the eurozone, or zombie land as we call it, there's uh, problems over there with assets. They seem to be getting lesser and lesser. So, so gold at the moment is coming back. Um, I think it reached a peak of about $1,900 uh, some time ago, and uh, it's heading back. That's, of course, we talk in uh, – or the, I'm talking in US dollars there, not our Australian dollar commodity markets when we look at those. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, mm. Sorry, no, that's okay. Yeah, um, just looking into your uh, your mailbag, Barry's mailbag, finance at 2NURFM.com gets your question in there. Uh, there's a question from a listener that's come in about super pension questions, turning mm-hmm. super into a pension phase, and uh, can you then add to it again later? N- no. The answer to that is no. Once you turn it into a pension, that cannot be added to. I think where a lot of people get a little bit confused and they may talk to their neighbours and, again, uh, are you getting the correct information and are you giving the correct question? A lot of people who have a self-managed super fund can turn that self-managed super fund into a pension. But then they might go back to work and they can contribute to that self-managed super fund. But within the self-managed super fund, you have two separate accounts. Even though you're paying into the one thing, there are two separate accounts. One is managed as a pure pension and it can't be added to. But the other one then that you're paying into will be considered as what's called an accumulation phase. So you will have two superannuation funds within your self-managed super fund. So if you hear people are saying, yes, we're adding to it, we've turned it into a pension, but we're adding to, we are adding to it. No, you're only adding to a separate account within the self-managed super fund. We get a lot of those. People phone up and say, well, our friends can do it. And then we say, they've got a self-managed super fund. They say, yes, ask your friends or get them to ask their uh, fund manager or their advisor or their accountant, how are they doing it? And mm. That's basically the answer. So can you keep your self-managed super fund with those two streams all the way along? Then let's assume you get down the track and you say, we're going to retire, so we'll we'll turn this one, the second one, into the accumulated phase into a pension. You can't combine them. Now, then you start to work again, you probably end up with three. Yeah, there's no so reason why you have you another can't. accumulation, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh, that's part of the managing of a self-managed super fund. It I certainly suppose. is. <laughs> that's the pointer, sisters. Uh, sounding fairly country on two and URFM. It's twenty-three to one. This is Thursday finance, and Barry Preston. So much of our lives these days. Uh, is conducted online through yes. the computer. We find things out. We buy things. We do all sorts of things. There are probably some rules to help make help us, in fact, make things safer. Absolutely. So, but the point being, uh, we get enticed because they look so good. And of course, the first one is the. Well, of course, you always get offers through the mail. Unsolicited, the email. unsolicited emails. Now, look. These people out there, the cons who are sending these out, they rely on 
people responding to these emails, uh, fake bargains. I mean, sometimes I've received emails offering uh, a $20 voucher for a Woolworths survey, but they won't send you cash. You've got to put your bank account details. Now, there is a con. It may sound easy to do a survey for Woolworths and so forth, but Woolworths have got nothing to do with it. It's, it's a con, absolute con. So, I suppose they're unlikely to want to pay you for doing <laughs> a survey anyway. Well, I do surveys online, but I know they come from reputable people, um, but they don't pay. Uh, but you could get a gift voucher if you're selected sort of thing. But be very, 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 very careful. Um, don't put your bank... And by the way, these guys that send you the gift voucher, don't ask for your bank details. So that is a real con. And if you get caught, well, I believe it's your own fault, really and truly. It is so obvious that it's a con. Don't. Delete, delete, delete. Yes, sometimes that keeps the delete button very, very busy, doesn't it? Well, it's the same with the cyber, what do they call it, cyber bullying. If you get an email or a phone call, delete the damn thing. Don't listen to it. Yes, very sensible advice. Mm. Uh, and it's so easy to click on things too. <laughs> don't be click happy. I think that means that. Just don't click on any old enticing link you see. As we've said before, uh, these emails or whatever the case, how you get them, always seem too good to be true. And I will tell you what, they are too good to be true. And cyber criminals use them as bait to tempt you into clicking into malicious uh, links. So don't, don't, don't. Delete, defeat, delete, defeat. That's my motto. That's very good. Of course... um uh, clicking into some of these sites, which uh, there's the the chance that they might put malware on your computer, isn't there? Which oh, look, I've got a list of the various things here: malware, phishing, etc., uh, key loggers. Um, what else is it? Uh, DOS attack, botnet. There's all these sort of things. I think I was reading somewhere recently where there's a proxy. I think 14 incidents a second worldwide scammers. So 14 a second. There's probably 120 since we've just been talking. <laughs> Thanks. That's all right. <laughs> no, when we go out and about and um, and we're perhaps having a cup of coffee or something in a in a public place, there's Wi-Fi available. Is that a good thing to be using? It? It's free Wi-Fi. Now be very careful of things that are free. I don't care what it is. It's free. It's costing somebody somewhere, the government or the tax, well, not the government, doesn't they don't pay for anything, it's the taxpayer. It's costing somebody. Now, look, using free wireless networks to do your online shopping as well as internet banking, in my opinion, is fraught with danger. Um, think carefully about using any unsecured network to perform important transactions. Do you need to do it? Maybe you don't because I think these days you've, can do a lot of it with your uh, uh, little thing that you have in your pocket called a, an iPhone or a mobile phone or an iPad. So just be careful of these free internet cafes. Supposing you need some more money and you think, oh, I can always transfer something from this account into that account and here's some free Wi-Fi. Is that a good idea? I would suggest not. If you want to be careful about your and protect your assets, my answer to that is no, don't. Okay, but of course you you have your accounts protected with passwords, don't you? <laughs> a lot of people show their passwords. Ever walk into a supermarket and see people putting in their cards into those highly exposed uh, ATMs, or I call them ATMs, uh, little telemachines and so forth, uh, FPOS machines, and then they stand back and press the buttons. And look, you can really see their signature. That is their signature. They're exposing it. It may not necessarily be the person sitting right next to you, somebody away with a pair of binoculars, I don't know, 
Who knows in some of these stores? They could be looking at your signature, your personal identification number can be or is exposed, and all of a sudden they've got it. So if they knock anything off, like your card or anything, they've got your signature. Be careful. Cover it up and separate your passwords. Make them a little bit difficult, not too easy. Okay. Um, And... Of course, it's a good idea to check, I suppose, the details of <laughs> look, any transaction. We talk to a number of clients and some people say, oh, look, when we get our statement, we just throw it away. I said, do you check it? No. And I said, well, how, how do you know that somebody hasn't used and uh, what's the name? Oh, I have a reasonable idea of the balance of my account. Probably not good. Check it. Please um, look at the postage and handling costs on things. Uh, when is payment required? When will the item be shipped? Um, whether whether it will be trackable during transport and how and who has debited your account. Always be responsible. Mm. Okay. Um, and it's enough to keep that on the computer, isn't it? Oh, yes. You know, keep it paper trail. Paper trail. Oh, look, absolutely. Print it yeah. out. If you're speaking with someone, get their name. Uh, often they will, won't give you their surname, but they may give you a number that you can refer to. Always keep a paper trail because if anything goes wrong or a wheel falls off, it's easily easy going back. I've found that with uh, a number of companies that we've dealt with. Um, you phone them up and say, I want to speak to so-and-so. Oh, uh, yeah, hang on. Did they give you a number? Yes, such and such. Straight through and they know exactly what you're talking about. Much, much easy. There's much still easy, a place I for paper say. in this world. <laughs> well, I think we're more – once upon a time we said it was going to be a paperless society. What a lot of bull. I think we're using more paper now, those poor orangutans over in uh, Borneo. I feel mm. sorry for them, really mm. and truly. And what about using credit cards? Is, is that this, okay? this is uh, quite strange, I think. I do believe, and from my investigation, it's safer using a credit card than using other forms of payment. Uh, many people will be surprised about that. I know I was. Um, it's because they don't directly remove funds from your own bank account. They debit an account. And in a lot of cases, I believe if there has been a fraud committed, the, the banks can readily refund those, whether they do on your other accounts, I don't know. But I know with credit cards and so forth, uh, we've had an experience in our office with one that happened from an overseas uh, transaction, and it was refunded immediately. Mm. Oh, I say immediately. Let's be careful on the word immediately. But uh, the person Hot used thing. a credit card. Mm. Yeah, mm. so check with your um, issuer of the credit card or your accounts to see yes. if it's uh, true. And what about keeping your own PC safe? Well, how many of us have a good updated, uh, what do they call it, um, virus protector? You know, you don't get that at the doctor or using antibiotics. Please get a good one and keep it up to date. Mm-hmm. They can usually uh, renew them annually or sometimes they'll give, a, give you a good discount to do it uh, over 24 months. And some of them are great, those uh, protections. They, uh, they do pick they do up some job. viruses, yeah, mm-hmm. most okay. certainly. So make sure that's done. And also your mobile phone. I think you can get it on your iPad or mm-hmm. your iPhone and uh, whatever else you've got that's electronic. Keep that secure Except as well. the stove and the I – mean, you can even lock your stove and, mo- and uh, what do you call it, the uh, microwave now. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> From little prying fingers. Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, we're dipping into your mailbag again. Barry's mailbag. Out comes the question, and it's a question from Monica. Um, what is the minimum amount that Monica has to spend if she wants to buy a parcel of shares? Quite simple, $500 plus brokerage. It can't be $499.99. It's got to be $500 plus brokerage. Now, that's on a new 
purchase or pur- purchasing shares that you already don't hold in, you the, in the company. Holding. You haven't got okay. that holding in the company. Yep. Now, if you do have a holding in the company and you want to buy some more, you can buy less than $500. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. But be careful because the more small buys you make, the more expensive it is or adding to your average cost of the share. So just be careful. Um, you try to save money. Look at the cost overall. But the minimum amount on a new purchase in a new company is $500 plus brokerage. Do you pay GST on any of that? Only the brokerage. Right. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, gee, we're selling you $20,000 worth of shares and say, just for argument's sake, uh, oh, we've got to pay GST on that? No, only the brokerage. So it might be $200, you'd pay an extra $20. And Mr. Hockey does send his thank you very much for that. <laughs> I had a phone call from him the other day. Um, really? And personally. then I woke up. Okay, dipping into the mailbag again, we've got a question from Judy, and uh, she bought shares in a small company, uh, but when she went to sell, uh, there weren't any buyers. Look, this is a trap for young players. Um, you may be talking to a friend or somebody of a friend of a friend and you get a tip on a share and you think, oh, I'm going to spend some money on this. You don't look at it. Uh, so you just go in and buy the shares. Be careful because the company that you're buying the shares in may trade very little or be known as an illiquid stock. It's not liquid. Like BHP, there's buyers and sellers there every second of the day. Where your little XYZ company might have sellers but no buyers. And this can be quite common with a lot of little exploration companies, speculative companies, or if something or a company comes out with an adverse report, all the, all the buyers disappear and you've only got sellers. So just be careful. Do your research. Um, there are lots of companies listed on the Australian Securities Exchange. And if you're going to do through your local broker, ask him or her, is this company uh, readily tradable or has it been readily tradable? Uh, remember, what happened previous may not necessarily happen again. So that's what they mean by an illiquid company and she couldn't trade the shares. So the shares are still worth something. Oh, it's... yeah, but you might, have to, you might have to wait for a buyer or you may have to wait for a seller, depending upon what you want to do. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, but they're not readily available at the time, illiquid. Where BHP and all the big banks and so forth and all your big companies are quite a liquid company. Are there sometimes freezes placed on on trading in certain companies? Oh, yes, most certainly. What they call freezing uh, the trade. Um, Or the company may even ask to have a trading halt, and it's usually for two days. They might have to make a special announcement, and what they want to do is stop any insider trading or any speculation. So what they do is they ask the ASX or the Australian Securities Exchange, please place a stop on our shares. The ASX will look at it and agree to it. So they stop trading. Bang, immediately at that time, no more trades, no more buyers and sells. Maybe some orders can be added, but no trades until the company makes an announcement and it may make the announcement. And then the ASX will say, right, in 15 minutes, the company will or will open the shares for trading and away it goes, which yeah. is mm-hmm. it's keeping a fair market. Okay. That's all. Yeah. All right. So it's quite a good thing. It's oh, absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Or if a company's shares go up too quick or down too quick, what they call the company will get a speeding ticket in the Australian Securities Exchange and say, hey, answer these questions. And if it's not but not what would you say, kosher or not answered properly, the ASX can place a stop on this company too if it's not. Okay, 
Yes. Okay. All right. Dipping into your mailbag yet again, and do remember the uh, email address to get your question into Barry's mailbag is finance at 2NURFM.com. We have a question from Len, and he was reading a company announcement to the Australian Securities Exchange, the ASX, and... uh, and came across an expression, ordinary shares that have been released from escrow. So what does that mean? Let's assume, Jane, that you form a company and you get an IPO, initial public offering, and you've come up with this great invention, um, but they'll freeze your shares. Instead of you having 20 million shares to trade immediately, they freeze them and put them in escrow for either 12 months or 24 months or whatever the case may be. In other words, they've been issued, but they cannot be traded on the Australian Securities Exchange where the, uh, all the other shareholders can buy and sell their shares and so forth. Yours can't. They're held in escrow until they're released at a set date or a set uh, they've met all the conditions and so forth, and they can. So if you have uh, a look at the company's announcements on the ASX, you can find out how many shares are issued for public trading and how many shares are held in escrow. Okay. That's all that means. All yeah. right. So do they belong to the company? No, uh, no, they no. no. Belong? They belong to the person okay. or who they're issued or the company, whatever the case, not the company that's uh, owned shares, but yeah. another company that may own the shares. So... They're just held in escrow and they cannot be traded. But one day they will be released and usually there is a date to let you know when they will be released. Yeah, Fantastic. All transparent. And that's Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Barry Preston. Thank you very much indeed, everybody, for listening. Keep safe. I won't be here next week. But finance will be. It will be, most certainly. Excellent. Hopefully be back the following week. Yes, we'll find out all about what's happening in finance next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM.